Welcome to Let's Keep Talking, a podcast by the Ontario Pharmaceutical Marketing Association. Conversation capsules with the people of pharma, those who have made a mark on our industry, who can help us become better in our roles, all for the benefit of the Canadian patient. Hello, and welcome to the OPMA's Let's Keep Talking. Uh, I'm Kevin Wilson. Uh, so, we're living in a virtual world, working remotely. So what now? Uh, I am so excited about this podcast uh, for a couple of reasons. One is we'll be exploring the environment that has evolved from COVID-19. We won't be talking about how to adapt and evolve. So I, I really feel like we're making progress inside of this and, and maybe even a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, the other reason I'm excited is that we have Natalie Yeadon with us. Um, Natalie is the co-founder and CEO of Impetus Digital, uh, an award-winning company that understands communication, specifically the dynamics of digital communication, uh, and has developed award-winning platforms designed with the pharmaceutical industry in mind. Um, who better to offer insights and gain perspective on the direction of the environment than Natalie uh, moving forward? So welcome, Natalie. Hi, Kevin. So happy to be on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you. So communication has evolved um, inside of our, our new normal or next normal or however you like to say it, um, and it really shapes all parts of our lives. And with new communication norms uh, opening up to us and shaping our home life and work-life balance, uh, workplace and culture, um, all the way down to the way we provide value and service our customers. Uh, the OPMA thought it would be interesting to explore these three specific topics. So just before we dig in, um, Natalie, I wanted to ask you a general question. Um, I think it was back in around 2005 when Skype came along and was hitting the mainstream. And I, I remember that time thinking, oh boy, this is really going to shape the way I think and do things. But it, it it didn't grab on. It it's not as as dominant uh, as uh, the way we work today. And I wonder if you wanted just to comment on that. Um, so what? Why now with uh, all of the MS teams and Zoom and and working remotely? Well, absolutely. And so, uh, Kevin, it's it, it's a great point. I mean, technology is nothing new. Um, email has existed forever. We've had Skype and so many other ways of communicating. But, you know, we are so used to doing what we call meeting in IRL, so in real life. This is typically the what we've been socialized to do. Pharma does this with their customers, their colleagues, affiliates that are global, et cetera. And this is just how we believe that we can build relationships in the most succinct and efficient manner. Um, and you know, we have actually at Impetus been doing virtual asynchronous and synchronous collaboration for the past 13 years. So you can imagine the people that we started working with 13 years ago were truly visionary because it was not, it wasn't the norm. People were just starting to dabble into this idea of digital advisory boards. Now, what you've seen is, a, is an acceleration, if you will, of the adoption of technology. So first of all, starting off with Skype and then there's, you know, Google Meets and, you know, all sorts of other things. But of course, we realized that the world went upside down when COVID-19 and the pandemic happened, and there was suddenly a moratorium on all things that are IRL, right? Pharma companies were no longer able to fly people to conferences, to advisory boards, to investigator meetings. 
um, to see affiliates to start doing things like conference huddles and you know discussing things about important clinical data. So in some ways, technology-driven or some of the technology Luddites out there, their hands were in some ways forced that they had to start meeting people virtually. So again, maybe not getting as much traction back in the day with the Skypes, et cetera, people suddenly said, oh my goodness, I'm so used to meeting with people um, in person and I have the whiteboard that I'm used to or the, or the chalkboard or the easel that you're using. Mm. And suddenly you're in this place and you're like, I don't know how to express myself. I don't know how to talk to my team. I don't know how to talk to my customers and draw these things that I'm used to doing. So one of the things that we have actually been doing in Impetus this whole time is we have a whole assortment of asynchronous and synchronous tools. We've enabled people to, you know, do things like insight. We have a tool called Insight Annotator where people can actually annotate tools, um, ideas mapping, all kinds of things that have enabled people before that they just weren't used to having online. And so almost haptically, if you will, just kind of getting people used to doing this online and saying, hey, I actually can do this. I can actually express myself in a way that I never thought I could, or I didn't have the tools yeah, before. Yeah. Because like you were saying before, it was just email before, it was just you know other sorts of things. And it, it wasn't sort of laced together, put together in a way that made it seamless and easy for people to do. So a long story really to say that the pandemic has certainly been accelerant. I don't think it actually was something that changed the world. It just accelerated something that was already going to take place. Yeah, in, interesting. You you talked a lot about the technology and the and was it a forced technology? Do you think, or did it all? It was all there. It's just we were forced in through the change management process, and we just had to do it. You know, absolutely. As I was mentioning, when we started 13 years ago, there was the visionary people who wanted to start going down the route. Back in the day, people were using the word omni-channel, multi-channel. Those were the kinds of terms and people were just starting to dabble into. They were having innovation centers of excellence that sat outside of the organization that started to implement some of these things. But when I talked about forced of hand, in some ways it was because not everybody was willing and ready to start the adoption. So um, when you couldn't meet with people anymore, you had to find a way to meet with physicians, payers, allied healthcare providers, patients. And so the only way to do this was to use some of these synchronous and asynchronous tool sets. Oftentimes we call piece together at Impetus, we call a longitudinal expert engagement plan or a hybrid plan where you can mix and match all of those. And so it's important to note that as people are going through that adoption cycle, the first foray into it is what I call digital translation. Digital translation is simply taking what we're used to doing IRL. So these eight hour, six to eight hour meetings, and virtually translating it. So they were then taking that meeting and making it virtual for eight, six to eight hours, right? Sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. Again, there's a lot of fatigue and looking at somebody online the whole time. You don't have the same tools like you have in real life where you have a coffee break or you can get out to the bathroom or meet somebody outside and sort of have a little bit of networking. So there is some different dynamics. And in addition, just like in real life, not everybody's going to be available at the same time, although they're not in the same location. So there's some issues with that. Yeah. Um, so what I actually would say is as people start to get re get into through past the digital translation phase, I then call it the digital transformation. And that's then getting into the place of looking at these communication or these touch points and being able to do it asynchronously. So not in real time and allowing people to give them the processing, the rumination uh, period, where they can look at data, talk to their colleagues, 
log in anytime they want on any device over a two to three week period and and then allow so people everybody can get involved you can talk about 90 to 100 percent engagement rates when you allow that yeah yeah and and you know the the other interesting thing i, I want to get back to all the different ways we can communicate and how we need to reshape our thinking but i, I did have some fun getting ready for the podcast i typed in working from home into Google and uh, you get all sorts of great things back, you know, working from home, working remotely and remotely working or working from home and shirking from home. But, you know, <laughs> the, the other thing about this time, it seems, is that the social norm of working from home, it's almost like we proved ourselves um, through this time that we can work from home, we can work remotely and we can still get outcomes. You know, any thoughts on that one? Absolutely. Uh, you know, this is just such a pivotal time. I mean, I know we're hearing all kinds of things in the news these days. We've heard about the great resignation or the, you know, the great reset. People are rethinking about, you know, do I want to work in the office or not? And there's all kinds of dialogue and discussion about that. But you're absolutely right. This is sort of the era of the gig economy where people can realize, you know, even at pharma level is that we're kind of going beyond this idea of, you know, uh, process oriented management into what I call outcomes based management. You don't need to necessarily be hovering over somebody 24 hours like we have sort of in the great industrial revolution to make sure somebody was on the line and producing a certain number of things. We're now in a, a white collar economy or a knowledge economy where now it's outcomes based. As long as, you know, and this is very much about how impetus digital works, as long as people are producing the, the outcomes and the deliverables, in some ways it's kind of a mute point about when they do that. So now we're actually getting to a place where we're talking about white work life integration. People have actually had to rethink their working environment, what's going on in their home, who's going where, where do the kids exist while you're in a particular meeting. So there's a, a complete readjustment of this. In addition, we have to start thinking about the human psychology of it. There's a great book written by Daniel Pink called When, and being very aware of your own circadian rhythms. Um, I'm, for example, a lark, a very early, early morning person. There's other people who do much better at night. And so depending on when your peak periods of productivity, um, we actually institute all kinds of ideas like the Pomodoro technique, being able to work for a little bit, take a 15 minute break, you know, all kinds of psychology in, involved around productivity and maximization of that. So there's so many different things that have to be considered in the work from home, including security, privacy, being able to maintain your personal boundaries about what's personal versus work, um, turning off notifications after certain periods of time. And all of this embalmed in a big push this past year around mental wellness and around personal health. Yeah, you know, I, I know that you got me thinking uh, just in relation to, to the simple notion of managing outcomes as opposed to managing processes and, you know, how that's going to evolve. And, and uh, I love your commentary around, you know, managing work and home and uh, you know setting guidelines and rules and code of conduct uh, and that's actually where i'd like to go next so i will let everyone know the listeners that you know this is a very very big subject it's meaty but we've got the right person in natalie to help us out with that and i'm confident that we can get everybody thinking about the right questions we may not have all the right answers but you know what at the end of the day that that's what this forum is all about so we will tackle this in three separate episodes the first episode is going to focus on work-life balance. And it's going to focus on what are the implications of all of what Natalie just referred to as far as our work-life balance and the code of conduct inside of that. I think that's a great place to start because 
let's go all the way down to the people we deal with, all the way down to our staff and even ourselves, is our ability to make a decision and say, you know, I can get my work done and I can turn off the computer and go be with my kids, work out. There's no transit time or commute time. So we can manage that ourselves. But that actually flows very nicely into episode two that's going to deal with the implications at work and the implications on our culture. And we'll dig into that in episode two. And then thinking of putting all of those things together, we can then look at our customers and try to get into their headspace and how they want to deal with us, whether it's in real life, the IRL that Natalie mentioned, um, or whether they want to be one of and accept the remote uh, management and virtual uh, interactions. So with all that being said, three episodes, but today's episode is going to deal with the personal side. So I, I do want to go back, Natalie, to what you were commenting on and just sort of expanding on the opportunities that this uh, new world and new communication norms offers us as far as managing home and managing work uh, and still getting the same amount and having the same impact uh, in our daily work lives. You know, I mean, absolutely. I think that companies across the scope, across the, you know, whatever the industry is, and it's not just pharma. I mean, we're hearing a lot about the big tech companies, the Apples, the Googles, really wrestling with how to manage the integration back into in real life, who should be there, who shouldn't be be there. And so um, people are really rethinking this. I mean, you're again, as I was talking about the, the great resignation, people are rethinking about where do I want to work? How do I want to work? And this, again, has gigantic implications on a personal lifestyle standpoint. I will say that there's a lot you know, to think about in the future about what this metaverse is going to look like. How will we eventually potentially be doing work in a completely virtual way. Um, I also am a big follower of you know, cryptocurrency, decentralized autonomous organizations, and the way new companies are gonna look in the future, where we potentially could become all gig workers and decide who and when we're gonna work with. We may eventually not just work with one company. Um, and so what does that look like? How do we talk about fractionalized ownership? How do people contribute to whatever it is that they're doing? And then being able to get paid for truly what I call true ownership or meritocracy that you actually get paid for whatever work you actually do. So I think there's going to be huge implications, not immediately, but as we start to become integrated much more with robotics, algorithms, machine learning, these are things that augment the work that we're doing. Work is going to look very different in the future. And again, how our personal lives are going to play into all of that is going to feel very different as well. Yeah, and maybe you just want to comment on the idea of the the etiquette or the the code of conduct. Uh, you know, those are very formal words to say. You know, when do you think is the what we should be considering face to face interaction in real life versus when we can get away? Is there is there some etiquette uh, thinking and advice that you could offer based on the work you've done? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because I think it really ultimately is coming down to the uber customization of people's personal preferences. Everybody is a different individual. When we before used to be the one size fits all that if you attended a conference, you had to you, everybody had to go. And that was the only way that you could digest it. We eventually started getting into some areas where if you couldn't attend, you were having schedule conflicts. There could be components of it that you could attend. Uh, virtually, although that was never the best option because you couldn't network, you couldn't do other things that you needed. So you wanted to go to the real live meeting. 
Um, in addition, the same thing applies for staying in the office versus not. There's always these rumors, well, you're going to not be ahead of the competition. You're not going to get a promotion because your manager is not going to see you all the time. Or you're not going to be, for example, if you happen to be in Silicon Valley, get funding because you not happen to be on the street. Now, one of the things I think is so fabulous is that virtual has democratized this. We've gotten to a place where it's so uber customized based on personal preference. What is happening in your home environment? Do you have kids? Um, is your preference that you don't like going to these conferences? Are you afraid of flying? Do you have multiple different kind of gigs that doesn't allow you to go and do any of these things? Or are you an introvert versus an extrovert? So all of these things allow. So I think we're going to be seeing a place where there's this uber customization. It's the N equals one. The world fits into what you need. Um, and I think that this is there's no better time than what we have today, even as an entrepreneur or as somebody who's an entrepreneur working as, at a company, that you can have all of these choices and do equally well. So I truly see this as a dynamic time. So in-person versus virtual, there isn't really any rules anymore. You can build relationships solely and entirely online in a way that we've never seen before. I think that it is a very different equ equation, and I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. So it is interesting. You, you commented on being visible, and the, you know, the, you're not visible at work, and you know that could impact your promotability, et cetera. Um, and I'll take it back to a personal level. I, I, I love connecting with people, catching up over coffee or lunch. And it's interesting. I can catch up with more people now. Um, you know, it doesn't geography doesn't matter. And, and of course, save money on lunch because you're eating at home. But, you know, how should I be thinking about that now when it comes to the, the networking or or just staying connected with people? Is it, you know, the tools are going to be good enough to to be able to do that virtually or? You know, again, just like I think that we're in the new quote unquote new normal, I don't think the world is ever going to be the same. And let's be frank, technology is here and the world is progressing in a way that it's we're never going to be able to turn that backwards. So even in the idea about how we connect and how we network and how we do coffee, I'll be really frank, even at Impetus, we actually do virtual coffee chats. Um, we meet with different people. We've actually integrated as part of the culture. Um, we have we put these in people's schedules, and I actually meet all kinds of people that I never work with on a, on a day to day basis. So you can do this incredibly successfully. It has to be integrated as part of your standard operating procedures, your company's policies, your company's values. Um, so those are the kinds of things that need to be relooked at in this new way. How do you integrate that? How do you bring that in? And how do you also, you know, assessment and evaluation and respect for various people's needs, differences, desires? How do we sort of remove the biases associated with some of those and give people a little bit more choices around it? So very much for somebody like you, maybe you're a bit more of an extrovert, there might be the time and place for in the IRL coffee chat. But then again, as you've talked also, there's a, a huge amount of reach and frequency going to so many other people that you that might have been completely unavailable to you. We see the same thing with physician advisory boards advisory boards in general, now that they're virtual, a lot of our clients can go beyond the typical people that they always go, the high influencers. They can now go to a whole series of other people that they never had the money or the funding or the time to be able to do that. So it comes down to a choice, your availability, um, and what's going to make the most sense for you and who you want to be interacting with. Some some good wisdom there for sure. And, and just as we wrap up, Natalie, just some things for each of us to consider to help us take advantage of work-life balance, sort of some closing uh, guidance on uh, on that 
you know, it, and, and I will comment on on the idea. It, it, it sounds simple. It sounds, you know, we can just get this done. Uh, we've had some great conversations about you develop all these platforms and using all these tools and they become virtual ghost towns. We'll deal with that next. But uh, just just some closing words, just as we focus on work life balance. Yeah, I mean, I think just in personal, I was alluding to it earlier in our discussion is that you have to create personal boundaries. You really need to sort of reflect on what does, because again, we hear all these things about Zoom fatigue and, you know, oh my God, my you know, burn, you hear this all the time on LinkedIn burnout and all these other things. People are, are just not able to sort of create this environment that's going to make sense. It's been a smorgasbord of stuff. The kids are all over the place. They're actually hanging out in the background as you're trying to have these meetings and the dog's barking somewhere. And so, so it's it's learning to recreate the environment. So that's, I think, a number one thing is what does that look like? What does my office look like now in the home? Who's where and who's taking care? So creating some rules and regulations around some of that. I think we're at that place. Um, and then also the, you know, what is talk about work-life integration? I, I'm really not a big fan of the idea of balance because that means different things to different people. But how do you integrate it properly? And Because it means something different to everybody is, you know, are you an early morning person? Are you the kind of person that would like to do all your digital stuff in the morning before everybody else wakes up and everything's zinging and pinging and what have you? And I think the other thing as well, too, is we're so used to having our phones and our technology pinging and ponging and beeping at us. How on earth are you ever going to get any work done? So learning to actually have the discipline to learn how, first of all, a lot of people don't even know how, to turn off the notifications and how to blank things off so that the phone doesn't look as delicious something that you want to look at all the time is it's all he's got these red dots and everything and you want to keep hitting it. It is a bit of a dopamine drip and you have to kind of train yourself to get away from the addiction of it. So when to put it away and when to focus on things that are on IRL. So a lot of it is self-discipline, self-awareness, and then recreating an environment that, you know, when you're kind of on all the time, if you will, virtually. Yeah. So listen, a, a fascinating discussion uh, over the last 20 minutes or so. Um, a couple of big takeaways for me uh, is that the the world fits into what I as an individual needs, and that's an opportunity. And I think we need to sort of open the open those blinders uh, as we move through and and take advantage of the uh, evolving world. And um, for this particular segment, personal rules. Um, I know I preach those, you know, I even preach those to my staff, but uh, I might not live those myself. So I do think once you get home, there needs to be some personal rules. So uh, Natalie, thank you so much uh, for episode one. I can't wait to take so, our learnings from this and inject it into uh, work and impact on culture in episode two. And of course, finish up with uh, episode three uh, around uh, how we service our customers and, and give them what they want. Uh, but for, for today, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Yeah, thank you. And and thanks to the listeners. Uh, we really appreciate your support. Um, if you like what we said, comment. If you don't like what we said, uh, comment and uh, offer an opposing view. That's what this is all about on Let's Keep Talking. So thanks, take care, and uh, talk to you next time. Thanks for listening today. The OPMA is committed to adding value to those working in the pharma industry. We look to elevate the reputation of the Canadian pharmaceutical industry as we work together to positively impact the overall well-being of the Canadian patient. If you have questions or comments on today's topic or would like to know more about upcoming podcasts or events, please visit www.theopmaonline.org. And let's keep talking.